Trade deadline has come and gone in the Boston Celtics. Oh, boy, were they active. We're going to talk about it right now with Tom Westerholm on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corral is above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rainy J's, how it started, raising banners, how we finish. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Thank you for making this show part of your daily routine and your first listen every day. Lockdown Celtics, free, available everywhere podcasts exist. The show is on YouTube. Would love it if you watch the show on YouTube. If you missed an episode, LockdownCeltics.com has all prior episodes, so check that out. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Boston Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. I've written a book called The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, and I was one of the media voters on the 75th anniversary team. Boston Celtics making three deadline deals, sending out a bunch of players uh, on their way out. Josh Richardson, Dennis Schroeder, Romeo Langford, NSK Freedom, Bruno Fernando, PJ Dozier, Bull Ball on their way in. Derek White and Daniel Tice. Didn't see that coming, did you? I'm going to talk about it with Tom Westerholm of Boston.com. Tom, um, all of the rumors, all of the everything that we've talked about, nothing really about Derek White or Daniel Tice. So I guess the first lesson is uh, Brad Stevens runs a tight ship. No rumors unless you want rumors. A different kind of tight ship than the, I mean, Danny didn't really run a very tight ship in terms of letting things leak out. But the thing that Danny did do that we always, like you talked about before every deadline, you talked about before every free agent period was that the rumors that you heard were never the deals that actually got done, right? You like, Leading up to it with Danny, it was never the stuff that you heard. So Brad runs a tight ship in that you didn't really hear very many rumors aside from the ones that you could kind of infer. Like, well, yeah, they're probably looking at trading Schroeder. But then, yeah, at the last second, it's like, oh, Brad is ready. Brad is ready to wheel and deal. I thought uh, Adam Himmelsbach of the Globe had a very funny tweet that was just very simply, Brad really likes being a GM, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he does, man. I think, I think he does. He's it was funny, yeah, because I mean, like before the season, it's like, oh, we got kicked upstairs, and we're like not sure how he's going to do, and then all of a sudden, it becomes like, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is this is right up his alley. He's thriving. <laughs> this is so. Let let's go through these deals. Um, so the first thing, then we're not. We already talked about Wancho and all that stuff. So the deadline deals were first one was Dozier and Bull Bull out to Orlando, swap second round picks. All right. Okay, so now we know taxes, you know, they're under the tax. Right. And then all of a sudden, Josh Richardson is traded, which I didn't expect at all. I didn't, I thought we we're in that mode like you and I talked about. Uh, the, you know, he's, he has this role and blah, 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 whatever. Now, let, let's just talk about this deal to start. It's Derek White for, Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, this year's first round pick, protected top four, which doesn't matter, and the rights to swap picks in 2028, a significant way out. Um, these are like two separate conversations. I think let's start with 
the general feeling that you have for this deal? So my general feeling is that Brad took a real risk, but he brought back real value. Mm-hmm. So Derek White is, is a is a is a very good player. Um, you know, I think lost in a lot of this shuffle and a lot of the conversation about value and about you know assets and about draft picks, lost in all that conversation, I think for for a lot of Celtics fans is the fact that Derek White is good and the Celtics want to be good and the Celtics have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, so they want to win basketball games and be good. And I think Derek White is going to help do that because I think this season, you know, for one thing, he's on a four-year deal. You know, this is this is not a guy who's you're in any danger of losing before you want to. Um, this is, you know, like he, I think for this season, he comes off the bench and he slots in very, very nicely in that role. He's a better, you know, potential to be a better version of Richardson. I think there's, you know, concerns about his three-point shooting are real, but at the same time, there's also, you know, reasons to believe that he could make more than he's made to this stage, certainly, mm-hmm. um, especially on a Celtics team that's going to have stars around him. So I, I like the Derek White pickup. Defensively, he's a monster. We can talk about that uh, at some point here. I did a bunch of uh, stuff on boston.com about his uh, about his defense and what he brings to the table. You know, I, I think – when you when you look at like when you start looking out a little bit further and you start looking at the draft picks, I see what you know. I see what the complaints are. You know, the, yeah, if the Spurs are better than the Celtics in twenty twenty eight, that's a huge problem. Just mm-hmm. just a monstrous problem. And I, I mean, look, twenty twenty eight. Who knows how many of us are even going to be still breathing at that point? So you know, <laughs> God only knows. And like the guy they're drafting is in what like sixth grade or whatever at this point. So it's like. It's so far out, so of course. But at the same time, yeah, I mean that's that's a real risk that Brad took, uh, you know, by by pushing it out that far and by making it top one protected. I get the concerns. All that aside, the Celtics are trying to win games. Derek White is a clear upgrade in a lot. I mean, honestly, maybe every way except for possibly floor spacing from Josh Richardson. Um, so I get why he did it. I. I I, I really don't have many complaints of the deal other than that it was risky, but you know, you take risks to try to win games. That makes, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I, I mean, you can certainly argue that it was an overpay. I mean, Derek yeah. White's good, but like you gave up two for potentially you gave up two first round picks for Derek White. Now on the flip side, you gave up Josh Richardson who you got for nothing. Yes. So that, that was foul money. Um, you gave up Romeo Langford. Well, and just real quick on Richardson too. Not only was it found money, he was also, you sold as high as you were going to sell because like Josh Richardson is not, it's, his three point percentage is not going to go up from here. This is as high as it's going to get with that. <laughs> right. Right. Like this, you can argue that this is, I mean, this is the best he's played since his what? Second, third. Miami. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you got Richardson for nothing. Um, you sold high on him. So you, you had Langford who, very obviously, like I thought it had potential to work, but I thought this season was going to be the, the the season that we figured out if it would work or not. Just hasn't. Just hasn't. I still like Langford for his potential and sort of the Spurs, apparently. So yeah. they they get Langford there and, and the Spurs have a very good developmental system. We'll see what, what they can do with him. And so you got found money. You got a player that was clearly out of the rotation and so essentially to me, this amounts to a first round pick for Derek White. And the other stuff kind of doesn't matter. I know that's not the 
the exact way that it goes down, but the way I look at it is that Richardson came in out of nowhere, and so it's you found twenty bucks in your pocket, or you found twenty bucks on the on the thing, and you're like, oh well, I'm gonna take this twenty and this five, and now I can buy. So that to me, I'm like, all right, and and the twenty twenty eight thing is just gonna be like lingering, yes, way 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 out there, and so that's six years from now. The, the bet, this is Stevens betting on himself, right? It's betting that I can put a team together that's good enough, that's going to keep Jalen Brown, that's going to keep Jason Tatum, that's going to make the Boston Celtics a contender, maybe a champion. And in six years, the Celtics are going to be at the, you know, at their their peak. Jalen's going to be 31. Jason's going to be 30. Like, think about it for a second. 30, those guys being 30, that's going to that's gonna mess with my head. <laughs> But that's going to be if the Celtics do this right, the peak of their powers, and they're going to be like it's it's a swap, it's not a pick, and so it might not matter. The the bet is for Stevens. I'm betting that I can do this, or or if I can't do this, I'm going to get fired, and it's somebody else's problem. Right, a hundred percent. And look, I mean, I think. I, I I see your point and I agree with it that this is like what the Celtics like that they basically gave up a first round pick. I, I, I did want to say real quick, Romeo in the Spurs system, there's a real chance that Celtics fans in a few years are looking at him just like, man, really? Yeah. Like we gave that guy up, like basically as the throw in on a pick. I think that's in the cards. Like we know he's a good defender. I like anybody who watched him in college knows there's a lot more to his offensive game than he's shown in the NBA so far. I, I think there's a real chance that the Spurs develop him. I will I will to those Celtics fans. I I would re, I would urge you to remember in two years when Romeo is putting up like you know sixteen and seven or whatever. If like like he was never going to do that in Boston. He yeah. was always going to be stuck behind the guys that he's stuck behind. He was never going to have the same developmental opportunities. I, I think there's a real chance that he develops into something kind of nice in San Antonio. Romeo's a pretty. Um, I think he's still kind of a high potential player, but I, I wouldn't doubt it. I would yeah, doubt. especially especially going to San Antonio. I mean, that's just like yeah. what a what a landing spot It'd for him. A hundred percent kicking the balls. We'd be like, oh man, because because then it'll come around, and the Celtics' developmental process will be questioned. And yeah, hey, you it's know, what? there there are fair questions there, but like, hey, but you know what? The Celtics' developmental process, if it's not good, Brad Stevens is doing the right thing by trading away every single pick that he's ever gotten. Like, it's, <laughs> like you, right. you can't develop these guys anyway. You might as well trade it for good players. So. Okay. Let's wrap it up with this. Do you think this is a deal that Danny Ainge does? Oh, good question. No, I don't think so. Because I yeah, think I Danny think so valued the picks really highly. I think he valued the guys that he picked really highly. I don't I don't think he's making this move. No, I think I think he if Danny Ainge did this deal, my guess is that sure, okay, Richardson found money, Langford, yeah, change of scenery. Okay, that makes sense for Derek White. Now you send us a pick. Like that that I think would have been the sticking point that the players would have been okay, but there's no way he would have given up a first no. for Derek White. There's no chance. No chance. Or it would have been like top 25 protect like he would have put some insane protections in order conveyed it might have conveyed in 2028, but it wouldn't have been the 2028 pick. Well, and I think, and I think that's why the, he wouldn't have done the deal, right? Because that was probably the reason that the deal got done is because the Celtics were willing to put a first round pick in and yeah, it doesn't happen. I don't think. 
my my final point on, on on this particular trade is that Brad Stevens very clearly like he gave up the first to give up Kemba. He gave up the first here. He doesn't value those first round picks, and I don't think it's that he va- doesn't value these first round picks. It's that he doesn't value them on this team because what are you going to do with a first round pick on this team? I think a team goes through like three different stages. The first stage is you want all the first round picks as possible because you want to see if you can hit on one of those. It's the OKC stage. The second stage is where the Celtics are. You've got guys who have hit in Tatum and Brown, and now you want to start putting veterans around those guys because this is their window. You've got a four or five-year window, whatever it is, that these guys need veterans to kind of help pick them up. These guys get the talent. They need the experience around them. Now, at that 2028 kind of range, when the Celtics, let's assume they still have these guys, 31, 32-year-olds, now your first-round picks are starting to become valuable again because you're still kind of good. If this goes as as they hoped, you're still kind of good. You're still in that contender mix, but you're starting to come like you know the tail end of the big three era where it's like they're still good. We still think that they have a chance, but eh, Jalen's slowing down a little bit, doesn't quite have the same lift, all of that stuff. Now you need to get cheap. These guys are all expensive. Now your first-round picks are cheap help. And – you want to get a couple of these guys that can hit, that have particular skills that can come in and maybe can make a contribution that way. So I think that Brad Stevens values picks. I just don't, I think he understands that this part, this Celtics team, no first round pick is going to come into this team with these guys, with what they need, and is going to make an impact. They're all going to kind of languish, I think, on the bench. Yeah. I, th- and I, I mean, like the first round picks that they currently have, you know, I mean, how many of those guys were languishing, right? Like Romeo languishing, Neesmith languishing, Pritchard languishing. Like, I mean, yeah, he has no evidence to the contrary, no reason to believe otherwise. We'll get into the next pick, uh, the next draft. uh, What am I saying? The next trade, John. We're never going to get into a draft pick again. It's at no point. No, I, I don't. Ha- I, I can take the NBA draft off. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's no Celtics. My I heart. Mean, <laughs> it hurts. I'm gonna let Tom recover. I'm gonna let Tom recover from that comment, <laughs> and uh, I'll make sure that I tell you about Bet Online, which has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Football continues its march into the big game this Sunday, so go to BetOnline.net. It remains your best spot for all your sports scores, podcast news this season. Not just football, Bet Online has up to the minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, live real time updates of current games, all that stuff. Don't wait to take advantage of the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online, where the game starts. Please gamble responsibly. All right, the second trade here of any consequence here, we're at, you know, Bull Bull, BJ Dozier, all that's just tax clearing stuff. Daniel Tice is back. Daniel Tice is back. Uh, Houston gets Dennis Schroeder, Ennis K, Freedom, Bruno, Fernando. Ennis waved goodbye. See ya. I don't know if he ever lands in the NBA again. Um, Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> no. Who, at this point, there's no evidence at all that he is a, a productive player. Um, Daniel Tice. So you, you basically, what we have here is the Celtics gate kept most of their core. They turned Dennis Schroeder and Josh Richardson into uh, 
Derek White and Daniel Tice. And now they're going to remake the complete end of their bench in that you have Neesmith and Pritchard as the carryover, Grant Williams, and then, you know, a bunch of guys. So maybe, maybe it was that garbage time uh, that all those guys kind of like pissed away the other day. And he's like, you know what? Trade them all. They're all gone. Um, impressions on the Tice trade. So I had, I had two thoughts on it that I think are really, I think it's really interesting that Brad brought him in because like, obviously, yeah, they, they traded away their, their depth, you know, in terms of, you know, Ennis and in terms of Bruno, but those guys barely played anyway. So I, I mean, yeah, like Tice can, can now be sort of their third center. I think if anything, to me, I wonder if this is the beginning of the end of Al Horford in Boston, if this is a move, you know, looking to next year and saying, yeah, I don't know if we're going to have a, a Horford here. You know, can we sure. get like a really good backup big who I like, you know, who Brad has, you know, has had in his system before, who you know that he works great with Jason Tatum, right? Like, you mm -hmm. know, he's, there's a lot of things that to like about Daniel Tice. And I wonder if some of this wasn't, uh, you know, also a look to next year, a look kind of into the future of, um, you know, a future where maybe Horford isn't part of this team. That's a good point. You know, I haven't really thought about it that way, but he he does kind of duplicate some of what Horford can do. Yep. Um, Especially so, now that Horford isn't as much of a floor spacer as he used to be. Right, right. I mean, I can't say that Horford's a better shooter. I mean, theoretically, he should be a better shooter. Mm, I think but, so. <laughs> you know, but he's, he's, he's not. Um, he is certainly more mobile as a defender, but um, I think it's, it, yeah, that, that's a certain, certainly a possibility there. And you can, so, so that, that brings up two conversations and I think we should save the other conversation for the third segment here, but just to tease ahead, that conversation is what they've set themselves up to do beyond this, this yep. season. Um, but for now, I think what, what we have here is a very obvious attempt to fit a team around what Ime Odoka wants. So to me, this trade deadline says, if any of you had any kind of designs on Ime Odoka being a one-and-done coach in Boston, forget it. Because this is building more defense first around him. Um, Derek White is um, – I, I kind of see him as a Marcus Smart-ish player in that he's – he, he's a better offensive player, not quite the defender that that smart is, but they have like similarities. Like they, they're kind of like cousins on the court. And so, yeah. You know, now two kind of like you could, your closing line can be these two pit bulls yeah. at the top, Jalen and Jason on the wing and Rob in the back and no one's scoring on you. That's going to be a vicious defensive lineup. Yeah. Um, But with Tice, He's a guy who who has proven. Side note on that lineup, real quick: Jalen is the weak point in that lineup defensively. That's crazy, right? Yeah, linger on that for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, but what you do know also is that Daniel Tice has shown that he, Ime Doka and Brad Stevens are two different coaches, and they have two different d defensive philosophies. But Daniel Tice has shown that he can work with these players defensively he and and they can communicate well with each other and he fit well in boston so even though even if it takes him a little while to catch up to what 
Ime is trying to do and and maybe him switching onto in onto the perimeter isn't kind of you know it's it's okay but it's still not great yeah um you still have a defensive guy that if something happens if Horford kind of slacks or gets hurt or if Rob gets hurt you have a guy that you can slide in there and it's not Ennis it's not Bruno who couldn't just didn't seem to be able to pick things up. And, you know, Ennis was obviously a very horrible fit for what uh, Udoka was trying to do. Daniel Tice can kind of go in there and kind of the drop off isn't that big. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that completely. I mean, and I think too, like at some point too, like I, I don't know how much switching Tice is going to have to do on this team. There's so many guys. I mean, like, this this whole roster is just going to be like chock full of, of guys who are just you know destructive. I I, I think I think that's a, a good point about Yudoka too. Like I mean, this is like not only is it a it's it's also like a vote of confidence in him, right? Like it's not just like hey, this guy's going to be around for a while. It's also like okay, like you guys see this these last few weeks, like what he's been doing. Like there's a reason we hired this guy. There's a reason that this guy was coveted in NBA circles, right? Like there's a reason that he was you know kind of considered. I mean, it seems like he was kind of considered the top, like assistant prospect, kind of you know, oh. the top like next guy up type thing. I mean, that's that's a pretty cool situation for the Celtics, right? Like the Celtics are trying to be that next contender up. Hey, like why not have the next coach up? You know, like why not kind of make it a why not make it a whole vibe around the team? Is like, hey, like everybody here is next up. So yeah, I mean, I I, I like the vote of confidence in email. I like the vote of confidence in the defense. I I will say. Earlier this season, I wondered a little bit if they shouldn't be focusing more on the offensive end because everything just looked so clunky offensively. It looked so bad. I was like, you know, what if what if they had hired Mike D'Antoni? What if they had gone out and gotten somebody who was going to make things look a lot different with the talent that's already in place rather than this sort of Brad clone um, mm -hmm. who was just going to kind of do what Brad did on steroids? I wondered if that would have been a better way to approach things. And I think, you know, Brad is clearly saying, nope. And I think the last few weeks are are giving you a perfect reason why. Like that, that makes sense. And and I think this team is going to be even more kind of in that mold uh, going forward. Yeah, this is a team that, like I said before, that closing lineup is going to defend, and they're going to get out and run. And with with White out there, he is going to be a, a much better passer than yeah. Richardson. Look, they were relying. They were talking about, hey, we're going to have to rely on Richardson. When you know you you lose, if you lost Schroeder, you know they'll have to rely on Richardson or whatever, and and you know Pritchard. Um, but now you've got Derek White, and so you can toggle between the two, uh, him and Marcus Smart. Uh, I think the overlap between those two is nothing like the overlap between Smart and Schroeder. Smart and Schroeder overlap didn't work because I think Schroeder wasn't moving the ball. Right. Schroeder was just driving. It was more drive and kick. And Smart is just catching and shooting and catching and shooting in spots where he shouldn't be shooting. Yeah. Now, if you play these two together, even if Smart's off ball, the ball movement, I think he comes from the Spurs system, Derek White. You know, Ime Doka knows what, what that system is. He's trying to fit that in here. He's taking a guy from – a system that he knows and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm doing some of the same stuff. So he slides kind of right in 
and he kind of enhances the ball movement. That the Celtics offense, you're you're right. It's the Brad Stevens kind of approach on steroids, but that it's it's the Brad Stevens approach because it was the San Antonio Spurs approach that he wanted. He wanted that yeah. 2014 Spurs team that Emi Odoka was a part of. Yeah. So yeah. that was so this this kind of just slides Derek White right in. No real learning curve, right? I'm sure a lot of the language is the same. I'm sure like they they kind of communicate like it's it's going to be more seamless. Um, and then you look, you, so you've got your five guys, your regular starting five, you throw in Derek white, you throw in Grant Williams. Now you've got a little bit of an opportunity for maybe Aaron Neesmith, maybe Peyton Pritchard, depending on how they, they make those, these rotations, but there's a little bit of opportunity there for a guy to get the, that eighth man rotation minutes. And then who knows what happens with the, Maybe Tice gets a couple of minutes here and there. You've got four open spots that you have to fill, five if you want to fill all five. Some of those guys, who know where who knows where those guys are going to come from? Maybe some of those guys are going to be pretty good. Because a lot of teams made unbalanced trades and guys are gonna have to be cut between now and tomorrow. Who knows who the Celtics bring in? There, there could be another rotation guy in there somewhere. They're yeah, they're definitely good. I, I just to touch on. White's offense real quick, because I, I think it's pretty interesting. So you pointed out the passing. That's obviously a, a really nice thing. A lot has been made about his three-point shooting. If you look at his numbers this season, a big part of the reason why they're, why they're so low is because he's missing everything he takes from the corners. He's actually shooting really well above – well, he's shooting fine above the break. It's like 36%. And I just it's kind of interesting because the Celtics also have, like, the best corner three-point shooter in the NBA, yeah. um, which is kind of funny. Also kind of interesting, he's killing it from like the free throw line and the Celtics are facing this zone, all like these zones all the time. Like everybody's running yeah. two, three zones. Derek White is just death around like the free throw line. He's shooting like 56, 57% from that area. So there's these little pockets of offense that, that, that I just, I wonder if the Celtics looked at those and thought I, like he might slot in really well because there's like these little things that he does that, other guys on the roster don't. Yeah. I mean, the more I talk about it, the more I, I, I like in a vacuum, the pick. Now we, we can, again, at some point we'll say the risk that was out there. Um, th there's, there are conversations to be had about that. I yeah. In 2027, like, that's the point when we're going to have that, that conversation. That's when we can talk about that. Right. Um, and if this podcast is still going in 2027, then <laughs> yes. Um, you got one of, I got one of the, one of the episodes checked right off. Absolutely. Let's see if I, I'll forget that we even said this in three days. So <laughs> there's not going to be a callback. Um, I don't even mind the players, you know, the, you know, the picks are going to be the issue, but Richardson Langford for, for Derek white. I, I didn't think that that would happen. I thought Derek white honestly would be a guy that went for a package for a bigger player. I thought that if you're going to move Derek white, you're going to put him in a package to get a, a real player back. But I think the Spurs are just, I think they're they're kind of more in teardown mode than anything. All of their all of their moves have been kind of like teardown types of moves and take a flyer on a Langford and see if you can turn them into something that the Celtics regret. Yeah. Which is odd because they're also hanging on to DeJounte. So I mean they're not in full teardown. They're clearly like keeping a guy that they want to like. I mean, he's young, obviously. So like, you know, you don't you don't need to tear down everything. But it's it is kind of interesting that they have. Um, that they seem to have identified this one guy as kind of their building block, not necessarily their their future like superstar, but definitely the the cornerstone that they're going to build everything else yeah. on. 
he's an all-star. So, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. He's, a shot. He's, a, he's a good he's player, shot. man. I like he's, him. But. He's a really good player. Get the right attitude. You know, he's got a little fire, you yes. know, like he's got that 100%. thing, right? Um, that that's I'm sure I'm sure Pop loves that, but yeah, he's got he's got that thing. And you're like, all right, I, I want I want a ball with that guy. Yep. <laughs> yep. So um, let's uh, let's come back and talk about how this team is set up for the future. First of all, I want to tell everybody about Shopify. Now, if I'm out there shopping online, whether you've got a small business or what, I know I want certain things. I want to be able to enter my credit card. I want to make it very easy for me to check out. Anything that gets complicated, I just, I don't want to deal with it. It's hard to do that, but Shopify makes it easier. They give entre entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses. So upstart startups, established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online, in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibilities. Um, Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. And you can reach company customers across social networks online. Uh, they've got a growing suite of channel integrations and apps, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, more. You can even gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting, conversion rates, profit margins, all that technical stuff that you need to know to see if things are working. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash locked on NBA, all lowercase for a free 14 day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash locked on NBA right now. That's shopify.com slash locked on NBA. Today's show also brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. I love Built Bars. I talk about Built Bar all the time. They are great. 130 calories or so. That's what most Built Bars have. Four grams of sugar, four net carbs, seven gra 17 grams of protein. So you can get a lot of the protein that you need. If you're going to work out, you're keeping up with that New Year's resolution, grab a Built Bar, put it in your gym bag, have it after your workout. It's great. Don't snack. If you're a snacker and you have a candy bar drawer, take that out, put in the Built Bars, replace that 240 calorie candy bar with a Built Bar because it's covered in chocolate and it tastes great just like a candy bar. There's tons of different flavors, mint brownie, coconut almond, white chocolate cookies and cream, like that stuff, I don't even know how that, that stuff is actually healthy, but it is. Go to built.com, check out all the nutrition information for yourself. They're not hiding anything. It's all right there on the website. Scroll over it. You can see uh, what, what's in there. And the best part here is the promo code LOCK15 gets you 15% off every single time. So if you wanna go, place one small order, sample it, try, try them out, and then go back and stock up on things that you know you like, use that promo code again, LOCK15. It gets you 15% off every single time at Built.com. Tom, the best part of this trade deadline, absolute pinnacle of this trade deadline. I can see you going, what the, where's he going with this? <laughs> what is this? We continue the TPE talk. We're not getting oh, yeah. rid of TPE talk, baby. They acquired Derek White. At, into the Fournier TPE. Yep. So uh, Richardson goes out and they create a Richardson size TPE. So they still have an $11.6 million traded player exception. This is the extension of Gordon Hayward. So there's kind of like a through line here where Gordon Hayward goes out and they get the TPE and then they use that to get Fournier and Fournier goes out 
Uh, so they extend it that way. Now they get Derek White. So the trade is actually um, Gordon Hayward for, for Derek White with uh, Richardson Langford, I guess, in a way. Now Richardson goes out. This is getting more one-sided every minute. <laughs> yeah. Now Richardson goes out in the $11.6 million. So they now have $11.6 million traded player exception that they can have between now. It's basically for a year. So now in the next trade deadline, they have this extra little tool that they can use. They stayed under the tax. And I and the team, I can tell you now, the team understands this was it. This was the end. We're done talking about staying under the luxury tax. We might talk about minimizing a tax bill. Yes. But they are paying the tax next season. They know it. They embrace it. It's There's none of that happening anymore. That makes the TPE even more valuable, I think, because now they, they are really out of options. There's no option to spend the full uh, mid-level because that hard caps them and they're screwed. You cannot do that. There's no sign and trade, no nothing. So any of these little tools moving forward, they're going to need. So as we look forward here, I think, Tom, that they still have a lot of tools at their disposal to continue to make moves over the summer to try and, and make themselves better. So, yes, 100%, in part because of things like the traded player exception and all that. Also, in part, because honestly, like, if you look at their roster, you know, and if you look at the numbers that are on their roster, all of a sudden, it kind of runs the gamut. Like for a while there, there was like these, there was a group of players at the top who were all very well paid. And there was a group of players at the bottom who were making virtually nothing. And there was nothing in the middle. And now if you kind of like go through the roster, there's a lot of different ways they can go. Now, obviously I think that there's a chance that this team is pretty good and is worth, you know, just playing out. Like, 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 let's see what a good basketball team assembled, you know, with, um, you know, Jalen, Jason, all, all these all these pieces built around them. But if they do decide that they need to pivot, if Brad is looking toward 2028 and he's not loving where things are going and he doesn't want to lose that pick, I mean, there there are ways that they can, um, you know, that there's there's ways they can package players together now that are just easier than they were a couple of years ago when everything was kind of bunched up on either end. So I, I think yeah, there's they have the tools at their disposal, but they also have um, just a just a more varied uh, treasure chest, I guess. They do indeed. And on top of that, they they do still have the ability to trade their 2023 first round draft pick. So this is a very important rule here. People were asking me today about the Stepien rule uh, because they traded – the Stepien rule is basically so teams don't trade all of their future for, you know, a player. Right. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't include past. So the Celtics, by virtue of getting – the Kemba Walker deal done when they did, that was in the prior year. So right. by doing that, that allowed them to trade this year's pick, the 2022 pick, because you can't trade consecutive picks. So the Celtics can't pick, couldn't at this deadline trade 2022 and 2023. But now, because 2022 will be gone over the summer when the calendar flips, 2023 is in play because it is a future draft. So you can go 2023. 25, 27. That 2008 is a swap, so you you're not trading that pick away. So that's still in play. That's probably why they did it that way because you go every other year, and so they said, okay, we can trade one, two, three future picks. We can do two pick swaps, 
and that's setting themselves up for superstar type of deal. They couldn't jeopardize any of that for a future superstar deal. So 2028, way, way out there for the Spurs, is really the first pick the Celtics could look at and be like, yeah, that that's going to be the one that you can have. We need yeah. all these other ones for Bradley Beal? I mean, something like that. They, they have all the contracts they need to match any contract in the NBA. When yep. you is you get Horford and you guarantee Horford's money and you start piling up some of these other contracts, they have the money, they have the picks. Now, all that's necessary after that is the other team wanting what the Celtics have. Well, and, and to that end, one of the things that you pointed out earlier is now they have a couple of duplicates on the roster in terms of, Yes, they could they could guarantee Horford's contract, but let's say the team doesn't want Horford's contract. Let's say the team wants a pit bull defensive guard. The Celtics can trade one and still have one. Like yeah. they're like, and and that money still helps a lot. And you know whether the team wants you know Smart or Derek White or whatever it is, like you know they they have that ability as well. So I mean their their flexibility really is impressive going forward. It is. I mean, and and I think it's very telling that 2028 was the uh, the year. I don't think they picked 2028 randomly. Not at random. <laughs> Not at random. Um, and I mean, it just again. I I got to start covering another team, man. Like, there's there's not going to be a draft pick <laughs> until I am in my 40s. You, it, yeah, you you know, as a draft Nick are. Um, Really, like you better you better be like very well versed in second round drafting stashes, or you know, see if the Pistons need somebody to you know. I mean, those six, seven players I was talking about before. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like listen, man. I'm (laughs) the the class of 2029. I'm I'm gonna be all about it. If you need if you need to cover draft picks, you need to go OKC or Houston. Really, (laughs) like that's that's where you need to go. Yeah, hey, okay. See, like I get I know some people. I can like uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, I think I think ultimately we have here this trade deadline has set them up for the now. Yes. This team has not suffered any setback moving forward, right? So as yeah. far as the season goes, you look at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and you say, hey, look, here's what we did. We gave you. You know, it sucks that that Josh is gone because I think everybody loved Josh. Yes. Like you can tell on the sideline that they love Josh. Schroeder, for all of his faults and ill-fitting game, was still, I think, somewhat popular in summers. Like, he, you could see him on the sideline. Like, I watched him closely on the sideline. He was always up. He was still in- encouraging everybody. Like, I don't think there was any sort of personality issue necessarily, although I could be wrong on that. But they can say, look, despite all that, you st- you got now first you get Daniel Tice back, which Jason Taylor's gonna be like, yes, I got Tice back. This is awesome. Um, Derek White is a really good player, and I think everybody can accept that. I think anybody that was defended by him is gonna be like, oh, phew, good. I'm glad yeah. he's on our side. So good. So now this team can say, you got a puncher's chance. This is a bridge year, but yeah, go out there and you know, we'll see what can happen. Side note. The, I think this trade deadline made the East tougher. Yes. <laughs> because Harden going to Philly. And like, so those two teams are great. Um, the other great teams are stayed great. Um, the, the, it's, I say puncher's chance. 
more in a theoretical way because I don't know. This this East is a bear. <laughs> There's but some haymakers in that Eastern Conference for those puncher's chances. Yeah. Oh my God! The only the only thing that I can say is that from a Celtics perspective, it's not out of the possible. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Philly and Brooklyn could meet in the first round because yeah. if if Brooklyn kind of keeps sliding without you know without you know Kyrie playing half the games and and, and Durant still being hurt, that you know Simmons isn't just going to come in and be like, hey, everything's great. So they could still slide, and then they can make a big run, and that run gets them to the sixth seed. Meanwhile, yeah. Philly is kind of like you know battling it out. They could fall to the third seed and just be like, you know, by a by two a game two games or something like that. Yeah. So we could have a first round Philly Brooklyn matchup, which would be insanity. But like, please, please, oh my God, every basketball god. Larry Bird, Jesus. <laughs> like, please. Please make that happen. I'm dying. To so bad. <laughs> that would be amazing. But honestly, the thing is, if Brooklyn, if Brooklyn stays low, like if they stay in that 6-7-8 range, that first-round matchup is going to be fun no matter what. Like, obviously, the Sixers one is would be the ideal, but holy cow. I mean, any of those, yeah. oh, my gosh. Like Brooklyn in the first round, if they're in that range, would just be so much fun. Right. I mean, Brooklyn, Miami, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Like, that was just going to be like, oh my God. Brooklyn, Chicago? Well, yeah, like, sign yeah. me up. Like, yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see what Miami does. I think they're going to end up getting Dragic. So, yeah, they're going to they're gonna get a little bit better. But anyway, so to finish off my point, the Celtics have done enough to, to show Tatum and Brown, like, look, we're giving you stuff that you can go with now. And if you, if you play hard enough, and you, you never know what's going to happen. But also, Hey, look to the future. We got all of these pieces, like you said, contracts at every level now, duplication, um, losing Marcus Smart now, which as me as the resident, like big time Marcus Smart guy, losing Marcus Smart and keeping Derek White is not the worst thing in the world if that's what it takes to get a trade done because you do have some level of duplication and now your defense isn't going to take a, a big hit. Also, I want to know what, two months of Derek White playing defense next to Marcus Smart's going to do to him. It can be like the, the KG effect on Kendrick Perkins where Perk all of a sudden was just like, he went from like, kind of like kind of trying to be mean, but kind of soft to, Oh, I got to follow KG's league. Now I'm like the meanest person in the world and, and his enforcer. Um, so I wonder if there's going to be some of that effect with, with Derek White. So lot it impacts a lot. I think they did a really good job at the, at this deadline. This is the more I think about it. I think the better job that they did. Um, and, and again, that 2028 is not by accident. They're saving up all of these future picks for something. They've got all the pieces lined up, all the contracts lined up. They've got, they, they're prepared to make that big swing. If that big swing is available this summer or by the next trade deadline. They are ready to do it. And if they don't, and if they can't, if it's not there, they can pivot, but they're ready for it. Exactly. They are ready for it. They prepared themselves for it. And they gave themselves plenty of plausible deniability if this team is good, right? Like you, you can go to your players and you can tell them, no, 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 we believe in you guys. That's why we went and got Derek White. That's why we went and improved this year's team. Right. But they did it in such a way that, like you said, they – they can still pivot if they have to. Like, even if, yeah, like, if, you know, if, if, if this isn't quite it or if, or if 
I don't know, the Bulls lose in the first round and Zach Levine demands a trade. Like you can yeah. you can do what you gotta do. Like right. they're they're in a good spot. Brad, I I agree with you. Like I, I understand all the concerns about 2028 and and you know the implications of that, but to your again, to your to, to reiterate your point, they didn't choose that by accident. They didn't make it a pick swap by accident. Like they they kept the step in, in, you know, like they, they were thinking about the step in when they did that. So no, I I'm, I'm with you entirely. I think it was a really good trade deadline for Brad. And I mean, you know, it, following what I think was a pretty defensible summer for Brad, like even in, even in retrospect, like I thought he made a lot of decent moves this summer. I think he's off to a pretty good start as a GM. Yep. Me too. All right. Uh, thanks for, uh, I'm off brand, man. I'm better when I'm, when I'm like, Hey, this is all, this is all terrible, but you know, <laughs> they're doing pretty well. Can't you know it's like when you're when you're in the Geno Time studios, it's all like you know, it's clouds and whatever. But when you walk into the lockdown Celtics studios, it's like rainbows, man. I got puppy dogs, I got a box of puppies right there. And I <laughs> hand out to every guest. Um, because that's what we do. It's all positivity, baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tom. Thanks for uh, hopping on for a bit. Appreciate uh, you, man. And thank you all for watching, for listening. I hope this shed some light on the trade deadline. This was a very interesting one, and I'm going to keep talking about it. Now, the Celtics do have to play basketball, and we'll see who they add and, and all of that stuff. Brad Stevens is going to talk. So a lot of things are going to happen over the weekend. I'll be back on Monday to wrap all of that stuff up in the podcast on Monday. So make sure you're subscribed and watch the show on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube. If you are a subscriber already, then share the podcast. Tell your friends. Tell everybody they should be watching and listening to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.